0: We're very excited to get to speak to you guys this morning, uh, especially on this topic. I think it is great uh, to be able to talk about prayer and the effectiveness, the purpose of prayer. How many of you guys pray? Amen. Hopefully everybody in the room, okay? Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about prayer. I'm going to jump right in because uh, I, I feel like we've got a lot to cover and I feel like there is something God is stirring and doing. Amen. How many of you guys realize God sets you up? He loves to set you up, not in a bad way, but often things will go wrong in our life and we think, man, God, how could this happen to me, right? And he wants to take that situation, he'll turn that situation around for one, for his glory and his praise, right? I'm jumping back and forth because I want to tell a story before I get into my message. Is that Okay. All right? I, I love this because it God sets us up so much we don't even realize it. And here's the thing. You ever pray with any parents in the room? You ever pray with your kids on something and you're like, yeah, gotta work this out. Right? And then he does and you're like, oh. Like, he really worked that out. Anybody else? Like, let's be honest. It's church. Tell the truth. Right? Okay? Uh, and I'm going to get telling myself in a minute with some of that. But so, that happened to me this week, okay? And I had one of those moments. It was, I think it was Thursday. Our house got broken into. And uh, so, very disappointing. Luckily, they didn't take a whole lot. Uh, just a few things some jewelry, cash, some things they could get uh, quickly in and out. We've got to replace a window. But here's the thing they stole my kids' piggy banks. Piggy banks, really? That's messed up. So that's how we figured it out. Actually, we sit there and Riker's like, "Where'd all my money go?" Because he'd been saving up for a long time. He had over hundred dollars in his piggy bank. He's got more money than I got. But he's there and he's like heartbroken. Like, "Where's my money?" I'm like, "Oh, maybe your brother took it." So we go and his brother realizes his is gone. Then we start looking around the house and realize there's other stuff gone. And I remember sitting down. My and he's in tears. Because his money is, I mean, he is, like, crazy about money. Like, for real. We went to kids camp this summer. We were like, okay, here's $30 for a T-shirt and candy. And he's, like, in line, like, I'm going to get this, this, and this. And we get there, and he names it out, and they're like, i will be $25. He's like, I'll take a sucker. No kidding. Came home with, like, $28. He was like, I wasn't spending my money. Like, (laughs) Like, that's his mode. So he's there, and he was, he was devastated. And we had the prayer with him. It's like, God's going to bring it back. God's going to replace what was stolen from you. We're giving him the verses. And in my mind, I'm thinking, it's going to be replaced because I'm going to make sure you get your money back. Right? As a parent, I'm going to make sure you get your money back. It's so funny. I think God looks at our response as parents, as adults, as Christians so often, and he's like, that's cute. You're going to get your money back. Because track me. Because I'm thinking, yeah, God's going to make sure you get your money back. I'm going to make sure that that happens. And God's looking at it like, that's cute. I'm going to make sure that you get your money back. Because that was three days ago. And since then, what's amazing is we have been blessed out of nowhere by multiple people that has replaced every amount that we lost, plus covered the cost of a new security system, plus more than what was stolen. Do you follow me? I was able to sit down with my son and say, hey, everything you took, God replaced through this and through this and through this. And he was able to see the family of God come together and be a support. Do you understand the value of that? See, I want to talk to you this morning about prayer, because I think often we don't understand the value of that. See, this morning, where we are in the tabernacle is huge. It's the golden altar of incense. See, this altar is amazing to me. Let me give you a little bit of information about it. It's positioned directly before the veil to enter into the holy of holies, where the presence of God dwelt. You follow me? It was the last step, essentially, before the presence of God, and it represents so much. And I'm excited to tell you about it this morning. It was, it's made, it's the tallest piece in the holy place. And it sits three feet tall. It is this acacia wood that's covered with gold, much like we talked about earlier. But it has a crown around the top and four horns on the corners. And to me, this is really amazing because then lower down are the rings for the poles to carry it. Now, some of those like, all right, poles, cool. See, this is the thing. This altar represents the prayers of the saints. You follow me? It repre- as, as the incense would burn and go up, it talks about, in fact, in Psalms 14, uh, 141, 12, it says, my prayers be set before you like incense, that they may be lifted up from my hands like the evening sacrifice. This is talking about something so specific. And see, the altar was to be cultivated morning and night so that it was constantly releasing incense up to heaven. Guys, there's this peculiar verse. I remember hearing it when I was a kid and thinking, like, how is that even possible? Right? It's 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For, the, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Anybody ever heard that verse before? Pray without ceasing. Well, how am I supposed to do that, God? I've got to eat. I've got to sleep. I've got to, how am I supposed to pray without ceasing? See, it's not that you literally walk around and are constantly praying. It is that you have created a constant, you know, get me. You are creating a constant rhythm of prayer in your life. You follow me? See, these, these coals were stirred in the morning, in the evening, and, The thing that I find very interesting, I'm going to just dive in this for just a second with you, because the coals that were used to light the altar of incense, you know where those came from? From the brazen altar out front. Do you guys remember us talking about the brazen altar? That is the altar where the sacrifice is made, where Jesus became, get this, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for us, correct? You guys with me? See, the brazen altar is where the priests would come and the sacrifice would be given for the sacrifice, the atonement of sin, and then they would walk through this progression into the holy place through the priest. But this is the thing. we no longer need a priest to allow us to speak to God, because now Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Everybody with me to this? The coals from the sacrifice were the same coals that were used for the incense in the presence of God. you all like, okay. It's the very thing that saved you, that qualifies you to speak to God today. Do you follow me? It's what you were rescued from. I think so often we look at our past, our mistakes, and we think, man, how's God ever going to listen to me? This is what I've walked through. No, no, no. It's the grace that came from here. It's the grace from the altar. It's the grace from the sacrifice that stirs the coals for your praise. You follow me? See, in this, this altar, as they, I love it because there is so many parallels. The altar itself speaks so much of Jesus Christ, and the incense is us. And our only way to come to the Father is through him. Right? See, this altar is positioned right before the most holy place, right before the presence of God. The reason we are able to come before the presence of God, the throne room of heaven, is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And see, when our life is founded on that, we are now positioned in a place of grace that we can come boldly before the Father. See, your prayers have power. Your prayers have purpose. It's not just something we do as our religious duty and I pray over my meals. Let me help you. Prayer is supposed to have power and purpose, not just, God, I'm going to pray for my Cheetos so that these don't kill me. Right? No, it's the prayer that you pray when you're hoping that lost family member comes to know Jesus. The prayer that you play, pray when... You're fighting sickness in your home or sickness in your family. See, prayer has power and purpose. And our prayer is an aroma to God, a sweet aroma. Do you realize that? Like The thing about incense, it was supposed to be cultivated. So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there was incense going up before God, and it was a sweet fragrance to him. Do you understand that when you pray, God is intoxicated by it. You follow me? It is this like, oh, yeah, they're praying again. He's speaking to me again. You guys know what I'm talking about. Let me relate it this way. How many parents we got in the room? When your child was little and they would just come up to talk to you or love on you from nowhere, that feeling. You know what I'm talking about, that I'm sitting drinking my coffee and I'm busy and it's like, but dad, I just want a hug. Right? It's that moment. That's what God does when you pray. He's like, oh, he's wanting to talk to me. Let's be honest for a minute. How many of you have ever began to pray for something like, it's God. Dealing with the whole world's problems. My problem. Anybody ever disqualify your problem because you thought God didn't have time for it? There's never a point God doesn't have time for your problem. He's waiting for the moment you begin to speak to him. There's something about this that I think we miss. We begin to talk about prayer. See, Exodus 30, verse 7 and 8, it says, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning And as he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when... He lights the lamps at twilight. So incense will burn regularly before the Lord for generations to come. See, We read that, and it's like, okay, yeah, we need to be constantly in this place of prayer. We need to be constantly in this place of coming before God. It is not about coming before God so that you can feel lifted up and you can feel good. It's because there is power in your prayer. There is power in coming in the presence of God, and you are literally creating a cycle to perpetuate beyond you. Do you understand the power that you possess in your words? God spoke the world into existence. We can break all sound, I'm sorry, all matter down to sound. That's significant. I believe it's also part of why when, the Jesus, when Jesus told the disciples how to pray, he said, when you pray, say, because there's something about when you speak something out that supernaturally attaches to the natural. Do you follow me? How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you have someone asked you to pray before you're like, well, I can pray in my head? You can, 100%. You can pray in your head. But I believe there is something so significant when you pray with your mouth because you are engaging your faith on another level, and you are taking what you are doing in the spiritual, and you are releasing it into the natural. It is a literal, physical act of releasing your faith in the natural realm. See, this altar, there's another thing about this that I think is so beautiful, because I don't know about you, but I tend to disqualify myself. Anybody else? Find myself in situations like, God, how did I get here? You sure you want to use me? There are way more qualified people. Anybody ever felt that way? See, the thing I love is not only is the altar of incense stirred from the coals from the brazen altar where the sacrifice is made. But every year on the day of atonement, the horns are sprinkled with the blood of the sacrifice. Representing, you get this, because I want you to catch this. It's not just about you coming and always talking to God. It's about understanding that it's a sacrifice that enabled you to you guys with me? Because, see, it, that was representing the sacrifice. That's what they had to do to make sure it stayed clean. And this is the thing. You aren't cleaned up because you lived a perfect life. I'm going to medal for a moment. You're not cleaned up because you lived a perfect life. i am a to medal for a moment you are not cleaned up because you lived a perfect life you are cleaned up because of who he is in you. See, what we've tried to do a lot is try to create a formula for prayer, Anybody know what I'm talking about? If I pray this way or I use these words, then God's supposed to listen to my prayer, and it's supposed to be more effective, right? No. God's not hung up on semantics. If he did, we would all have to learn to speak the same language, or we wouldn't be able to say, to pray the exact same. But he hears us all. See, God's not hung up on that. What he's hung up on is the heart behind your prayer. Well, I want to see people healed. Do you want to see people healed, or do you want people to praise you because you healed somebody? Because if that's your motivation, well, I just don't understand why people aren't healed when I pray for them. Well, is it to look at you, or is you re- are you really trying to do something through you to them? Do you follow me? Or this one. This is one of my favorite ones to hear, and by favorite, I mean it is not by, at all. Um, not even close. Well, you prayed, and it didn't happen, so there must be sin in your life. Anybody ever heard that? Let me me address that really quick. Your ability to be righteous was never enough to qualify you to start with. It's not enough to qualify you after. That's why I love the fact... That blood was sprinkled back on the altar of incense, again conveying the idea that it's through the righteousness of Jesus that we're able to come to the Father. See, we look at our sin, and it's like, well, I can't because this disqualifies me. I can't use this. It's gone. If you've got the grace of God, it's gone. The Bible literally says it's cast from the east to the west. Those never touch again. Not only do they never touch again, but there is something about what we possess as Christians when we understand, I no longer walk in the sin of my past, but I walk in the righteousness of Christ. See, let me explain what I mean. Because it says that Jesus became our sin. He didn't die. Hear me. Jesus did not die To cover your sin, he became your sin. And you became the righteousness of God in Christ. You follow me? It wasn't a covering. See, this is the problem. We look so much and we think God still sees our sin, but he can push the blood out of the way and he can see the sin that's still there, right? It still holds us. No, that's not the way it works because it's not a covering. It's an exchange, See, when grace comes in, there's an exchange. Your past doesn't hold you because your past no longer exists. You now are the righteousness of Jesus. It enables you to come to the throne. It enables you. I love that the altar, it's not to the right or the left. It's in the middle, positioned right before the holiest place right before the presence of God. Some of y'all need to hear me this morning. I don't care how many things you've done wrong in your life. You are not disqualified from the purposes of God. It is the righteousness of Jesus through his grace and salvation that allows you to stand positioned before the Father where you can pray and you can bring every petition, every situation, every frustration, and you can bring it to him without fear, in boldness. I'm just telling you, we need, to, we need to learn to pray bold prayers. I don't know about you, but we need bold prayers. Anybody ever had somebody tell you what to do, and they were so confident in them telling you, you felt like you needed to listen no matter what? You ever had someone who was in a position of authority that could tell you to do something, but they were so meek about it, you didn't know if you should? You possess an authority because of who God is in you and what he wants to do through you. Stop asking for God to, maybe if you would, he'll help, you know me. If it's your will, help this person. I'm I'm tampering. We do this so often. Let me just be honest with you for a moment. I understand the reasoning behind why we say, God, if it's your will, let this happen. And I'm not saying, again, I'm not hanging up on semantics. But if you're really praying for someone, hoping that maybe just might work out, are you really believing for healing? Are you really believing for this person to be saved? Are you really believing for your financial situation to change? Are you really believing that your marriage would turn around? Let me help you in here real quick. If you're praying for your marriage, and I, God, if it's your will, restore my marriage. It's God's will. Let me help you. Okay? He doesn't plan for you to be separated. He doesn't plan for your life to fall apart. It's his will. So pray over it with boldness. See, so often I don't think we even pray that really hoping to know God's will. We pray it. And it's our escape clause. Because we didn't say, God, what do you want me to pray? We said, God, do this, but if you don't, it must not have been His will. Pray with faith, guys. Pray with boldness. It's not about the words. It's not about creating a formula to get it right. The formula is this. Come to God submitted, humbled, knowing it's not about who you are. It's about who he is. And let God move and work through you. See, so often we find ourselves in this place where we've elevated ourselves because we're Christians. No. We're a bunch of sinners that God's grace kept us from being in a lifestyle that was killing us. You're not more holy than the next person because God's grace rescued you first. It's the same grace that rescued you that wants to rescue them. See, that's not a separation. It's an identification of, hey, I know where you're at, and I've got help for you. All right? Let me relate it to you this way. If you're on a boat that's sinking, you don't look at the dude still in the water when you're on the life raft and think, man, you should have been faster. No. What do we do? You grab them and you pull them on the boat. See, as Christians, we need to stop looking at people in the water thinking, man, sure glad I'm not in there. Water looks cold. Stick out your hand. Help somebody out. Begin to pray with passion, with power. I'm telling you, the way you pray should not depend on how desperate your need is. It should depend on the passion you possess on a regular basis. See, the coals were stored morning and night, representing a passion that is constantly being kindled and refueled and restirred. And here's the thing, where did the coals come from? The brazen altar. The altar of sacrifice. See it. I love it. If we really want to live like Jesus, what does that mean? It means you die to yourself daily. Paul said, I die daily. That means there needs to be a place where we come back every single day to sacrifice in our life. Today's message isn't about grace. I'm talking about it a lot, but it's about your prayer. It's about your prayer life. And if we don't understand that your prayer life is directly correlated to the grace that you possess— And your ability to see that and understand that you are qualified to stand before God and ask for things with boldness, with power. Now, don't get me wrong. That does not mean everything you pray is always going to happen the way you think. I'm telling you right now, I know some people, I I, I hit hard on marriages and on families and God restoring family members. And I'm telling you, there's some people I know who have prayed and they've been fervent. And things didn't go the way they thought they should go. Let me help you. Depending on when you're praying for family, God moves on their heart. You are the vessel that God uses to bring something into existence. Do you follow me? But you are not the person who can make a decision for another person. That's not on you. I know some of us are like, but let it be on me because this dude needs saved. Trust me. Right? But it's not on you. All you can do is bring that before the Lord. All you can do is day and night intercede on behalf of others. I love it because Jesus is interceding for us on our behalf at the right hand of the Father, constantly. So everything that goes wrong, every time life falls apart, every time that you fall back into the things that he's rescued you from, (sighs) i got to start over. No, you don't. See, what you forgot is the blood didn't cover it. It exchanged it. So I'm back in that same spot. No, you see yourself as back in that same spot. God just saw you as making a mistake. Jesus isn't looking at you. God's not looking at you compiling every mistake of your life. And when you die, which stack is higher? That's not the way this works, okay? When Jesus saves you through his grace, God looks at you, and guess what? That block of all the mistakes you've made in your life, they just got swept off the table. So the next time you messed up, God looks, and you got one block. You want to know the beauty of it? Repentance. You got no blocks. You follow me. See, that's how we're able to come before the Father. That's how we're able to pray. And it, but why would God listen to me? I'm a, I've done all these things wrong. I'm a horrible person. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here, if people knew what you really thought, half the time would not be your friend anymore? Because I say stuff like, oh, a horrible person. Like, oh, I'm not a horrible person. Really? How many friends would you have if you said what you really thought most of the time? Okay, I'm a horrible person. Right? Let's tell the truth. I'm not saying you're out killing people, but I'm saying that we all have things that we don't want people to know about us. And the only person who knows it is you and Jesus. And the only person holding it against you is you. i got to find my spot. James 5.16. Confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. I love it. The fervent prayer of a what? Righteous man. Well, that means we're all disqualified, right? No. Though a righteous man falls, he gets back up. See, some of y'all need to catch this. The mark of the righteous isn't that they never fall. The mark of the righteous is that they get up when they fall. See, the reason you can bring your prayer before God, the reason there's power in your prayer, isn't because of how wonderful you are. It's because of how wonderful he is. And what you've got to understand is he's wanting to release something to your world through you. We've got to come to this point where it's not about us, it's about him. See, this is where I want to land today. John five, nineteen says so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. How many of you guys think that is? Great, because what we are understanding, what Jesus himself said, is it's not about my will, it's about his will. And when I'm in line with his will, I can do anything and everything that he's empowered me to do. I know we're not Jesus though, right? Luckily, the Bible addresses that. Amos 3 verse 7, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants. Guys, hear me. This positioning yourself in a posture of prayer is not just about you coming to God with your wish list every day. It's not saying, thank God we have a Savior who's going to grant your wishes morning and night. That is not what it's telling you. What it's saying is create a habit where you begin to understand the heart of God so that when you pray, It's not about you, it's about him. What does God want to do in this situation? See, this is the other thing that's really interesting. When you look at where the golden altar is positioned, right? I've said it a few times. It is right before the throne, right? Right before the Holy of Holies. Right before the most holy place, right? You remember the table of showbread? It's positioned to the side. In the oil, in the lamps that are positioned to the other side. See, this is really cool. Because when you walked to the altar of incense, you passed through the oil and the bread. The spirit and the word, you follow me. You want to understand the voice of God in your life? You want to understand the purposes of God that he wants to bring in this world? It's found through the spirit of God and the word that he's empowered you with. And when we go through both of those, we're able to come boldly before the throne room of God, carrying the concerns of God as our concerns because now we understand his heart. You follow me? See, there's something to this that we've got to understand. There is so much depth And what God wants to reveal, I didn't even get to half my notes. (laughs) Not even close. Because see the, I'm going to try to fit in like just the concept real quick. See the other beauty of this incense is it was crushed before it's used. It's taken and they take all of these spectacular things and they crush them together to make a fragrance that is only to be used in the altar of incense. It's not to be used for anything else. I love it. This incense isn't to be used for your own personal gain. It's only to be used in the presence of God. See, when we come to a place where we're broken and we give ourselves fully to God, it's no longer about y- ourselves and our personal use and our personal perspective and our personal pursuits. It's now about the pursuit of God in our life. And now that life should be used to glorify Him. And it's through our brokenness that we are able to be a life that glorifies Jesus in all of our imperfections and impurities. You follow that, See, it's so incredible. If we can get the band to begin to come back up, what God wants to release in our life when we understand the power of prayer. See, I think so often we begin to pray, and it becomes our obligation, our duty, right? Anybody else ever feel that way? We're in church. It's okay. You can tell the truth. I think so often it's like, well, I mean, I pray at night. We have our prayers, and I'll tell you the truth. This is one of my pet peeves, and I've told my wife this. And it's not directed to anything, and if your kids do it, that's okay. Mine still do. I just don't like it. But when we sit down to pray, and it's like, okay, Rowan, you're going to pray, or Riker, whoever, and it's like, they start the, like, rhyming prayer. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like, every time, I'm just like, dear Lord. <laughs> not that it's. I understand the purpose is to teach them to pray, but the thing we've got to be careful is that we don't become so mechanical in our prayers that we lose the heart behind the words. See, and I challenge my kids when they begin a prayer and they they start their little rhyming prayer, I'm like, no, just pray from the heart. It's, It's not that I'm saying there's anything bad about creating that rhythm, but I want them to understand to pray from the heart. Now, you know what that means? Instead of a five-second rhyme so I can eat some food, I'm going to get a 30-minute prayer about dogs and camels and the teacher and homework, and we might talk about food, maybe. But he's learning to talk to God about the things that he cares about, not just the mechanics See, we've got to come to a point where we learn to talk to God about the things He cares about and not just the mechanics of life, not just the struggles in our jobs. Sometimes the struggles that you face really were never about you. They were about what God wanted to do through you, but we were never never able to see the struggle as an opportunity. See, we've got to position ourselves in a way where when you get up in the morning, God, what do you want me to do in my day? Not, God, please help this person not talk to me today. That's not the kind of prayers I'm talking about. You guys know we've all done it. I have to. I know. Been in my office and I hear somebody, God, please, God, let that not be. Okay? Sorry. <laughs> right? We've done it. It's okay to tell God what you need. It's okay to tell God what you want. But just like any relationship, if the conversation is always based on what you need and what you want, that's not a real relationship. What is he wanting to do? What is he wanting to speak? What is the assignment that God's given you for your day? You know how you know that? Talking to him. We overcomplicate it. We go through our day, and this—it's just so hard. God, I don't have time in all my day to do all these things. You no. Know? He gave you 24 hours. He knows how long you have. And he's given you an assignment that will fit into that. And when you don't have enough time, it's really simple. I mean, something in your day wasn't part of your assignment. Re-evaluate. Start over tomorrow. Don't beat yourself up. Start over tomorrow. Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. Every morning. So I don't care if you missed it yesterday. Make it today. I don't care if you missed it this morning. Make it tomorrow. Do you follow me? Come to a place where we are cultivating this constant communion and fellowship and conversation with a loving God who doesn't care about your past. He simply has a purpose for your future. And the only way we know that is through conversation with him. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're in here today and you say the truth of it is, I don't really know what it is to have a real conversation with God or relationship with him. And today I need to fix that. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want everybody in the room repeat after me. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to know your voice and to live for you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.